What do you want, Chris? You want a baboo? No, I, I. You don't. You absolutely I, don't. No, no. There you go. There you got it. You got I'll it. Never, that I'll was never, not. That's a bootleg baboo. The true baboo is the Brecken I'll baboo. I'll never decline a baboo. Nick, let's hear it. Baboo. Oh, you son <laughs> of a bitch! God. I don't like that it's this, but it's already January twelfth, twenty seventeen. This is Idle Thumbs 297. I'm Chris Remo. I'm Nick Brecken. I'm Jake Rodkin. A somber beginning to our second episode <laughs> of this year. It's not even well, like yeah. the first episode I mean, of this year. It started off with you disliking it. Oh. I love it. I love it, you guys. It's January whatever. <laughs> <laughs> it's a day. It's 2017. That's terrible and sort of a relief. It's fine. It's both of those things. It's really both of those things. Increasingly less of a relief. Yeah. I'm finding. It's fine. Yeah. How's it going, you guys? Not bad. How are you doing? Doing all right. Yeah? Yeah. Ready to record a fucking podcast? Sure. Yeah. Ready to pod? Yeah. Yeah. Nick. Yes. You indicated. Uh-oh. You knew exactly how this podcast Oh, <laughs> well. <laughs> well. Oh, I true. did, that's to some true. degree. Oh. Uh, when Jake messaged me the other night and told me that he had watched all of the Jurassic Park films recently. <laughs> what? <laughs> oh, we're going, we're going there right Why not? The yeah, no, 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 no. Uh, it's true. It's true. You just, you did a marathon? Yeah, well, <laughs> okay. First, yeah, I want to know how this came about. How many are there at this point? Well, there's four, four? including Jurassic World. I did okay. not watch Jurassic World. Let's be clear. I watched the Jurassic mm. Park uh, You watched film. the Jurassic trilogy. Park film. I watched the trilogy. Watched the, the trilogy. The, o- the, the, the OT. The original trilogy. OT. Watched, yeah. As someone uh, call it. You yeah. know, like in casual conversation when you refer to the original yeah, trilogy. Yeah, I, I didn't watch it in like- Jake means the series of films that concludes with <laughs> Jurassic Park 3. Yeah, some, some advocate watching it in machete order where uh, when what? Jeff Goldblum's daughter is introduced in The Lost World, you then cut and play <laughs> Jurassic World all the way through, then Wait, go what? back. Is that movie a mid no, 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 no. It's not at all. Okay. It's not at all. By the way, patent. <laughs> yeah. mid <Mid-cool. laughs> Patent pending. Patent definitely pending. Uh, yeah. I did not watch the Jurassic Quadrilogy. I merely watched the Jurassic Park Trilogy. Wait, no. Seriously, though. Is that movie a fucking No, 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 no. It takes place in present day, Chris. All Jurassic Park movies take place in the in well, then present why? day. The so, so that's not real. Oh, my God. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. I haven't seen okay, Jurassic sorry. World. I, I will explain a sad thing to you. Um, <laughs> and this, this is um, some... People who love Star Wars are always trying to come up with a way to make the prequel trilogy mm. kind of make some sense. Right, right, right. So there's yeah, like, I'm aware of there's this. a thing referred to as, I think, I mean, I don't, I'm not even going to get machete order right, but machete order in quotes <laughs> is the way that you're like, quote unquote, supposed to watch uh-huh. the prequels now, which is like the way it's meant to be somewhere. Watched. You're watching the original trilogy, then I think between Empire and Jedi, you're supposed yeah, to right. then watch a couple of the prequel movies. Weird. Because Darth Vader's like, I am your father. Father. Then you're like, oh, I know he's his father. Now, zoop, let's <laughs> like you're probably wondering how I got in this situation. Yeah, and, then, what like, that is. and then you go yeah. and watch the and prequels. Then you watch like six hours yeah, of, of garbage. Shit. And you're like, oh, now like a flashback. Now I, yeah, now I have a greater yeah. understanding. Um, <laughs> but no, so I um, yeah, hopefully it's actually in the movie that that happens. He says, "I am your father," and then the wavy lines right. appear, and then it just starts. <laughs> That's episode just record one. scratch. Just yeah. full record scratch. This is, I've just uh, guys. I've just been seated, leeching my complete mach- fan edit, machete edit, including wavy line dreams. Well, you actually just hear um, 
you hear Luke Skywalker going, no. <laughs> like, if you loop that waveform across the entirety of the pickles, and he goes, no, that's impossible. <laughs> um, they, have to, they have to sort of, it's, this, is an, this is an audio professional term, they have to sweeten his, mm. his scream a bit yeah. with some augmented, yeah. they grab some Tom Cruise <laughs> scream library, they grab some Arnold. Uh, Arnold <laughs> eyes <laughs> bugging out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But in, in, Luke's, impossible. in Luke Skywalker's mind, that's all just like a, uh, like a twinkle while he's screaming no. But <laughs> right. he's having that so f- a twinkle. I like the idea that he has a twinkle in his eye. Well, it's <laughs> it's a forced twinkle. Knows. It's a forced yeah. twinkle. He, he's he's putting on a big show for everyone. He's really upset about. God, this. now he also he, he, knows. <laughs> he also <laughs> remembers all of Rogue One now as well. <laughs> oh my god! god. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, God Jesus. So I was watching. Um, god, I'm gonna. Okay, I'm sorry. Just go ahead. I was watching the movie I'll stop uh, you. Hunt for the Wilder People, which is – um, it was a movie It's made in New Zealand. It's an indie movie made a few years ago that's really good um, and has Sam Neill in it as like – I only know about stupid movies. It has uh, Sam Neill in it as a like just – like Bush survivalist New Zealand guy. And oh, it, Sam Neill. Like he got, he <laughs> yeah, got Sam Neill. through yeah. the two administrations and – Kind of yeah, came yeah, out yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. Good. Uh, but you, I mean, yeah. Sorry, no. He just likes b- bushes. He likes living out in the wilderness the dynasty. I mean, he's basically a New Zealand version of Doctor Alan Grant, uh, where he just okay. broke and uh, he out in, in the woods not and not a an archaeology world full of dinosaurs. Yeah, but anyway, we watched that movie, and, uh, and you're like, what if this was more fake? And more ridiculous. No, it okay. just it, it was it was very simple and boring. It was just Dana oh. saying, "I really want to watch Jurassic Park now." <laughs> uh, and I said, "Okay," uh, but we we watched the first movie at like eleven a.m. We watched The Wilder People at like eleven a.m. So it was only early afternoon, and it was a weekend, and it was raining a lot. So was this this past weekend? Yes. Okay. A computer then suggested after watching Jurassic Park. Maybe what you want to watch is another Jurassic Park. I'm like, you know, I would. Yeah, the computer suggests Jurassic Deep Park learning 3. machine algorithms. Yeah, and then it's like, maybe so, what you so want advanced. for some reason. Like, well, then it, it fed us Jurassic Park 2 or Jurassic yeah. Park The Lost World. And it was yeah. like, mm-hmm. that was – I don't think that was good. Neither of us had seen it since it was in the theaters. And uh-huh. then the computer was like, if you enjoyed that because you watched it all the way to the credits, maybe what you want is to watch a third fucking Jurassic Park movie. <laughs> and it was like, oh, just- I do, I think now. I don't know. Uh, and then we watched the third Jurassic Park and it was like, oh, th- there's things about this that are actually less – shit than the oh, last really? world interesting i actually don't know if i've seen jurassic park 3 oh ever. it's bad no, let's be clear yeah, here yeah, there uh-huh. are no there are no good jurassic park movies movie? other Did spielberg directed no Spiel- think spielberg so. it was the guy who directed the rocketeer the guy I who think? directed the rocketeer and captain yeah. america is oh. a joe johnston jo- yes yeah who okay. was an effects artist at ilm forever like movies. he's i think known yeah, for right. he designed boba fett so let's bring this all around wow. yeah yeah interesting Huh. Like that was his like thing. Is he did, or he at least worked on that? Yep. Like he was in, of that vintage of of uh, Lucas Empire special. So he effects. always needs to do every. So presumably, there's some some like Art Deco helmet related imagery or motif somewhere in this movie because all three of those other things involve some kind of like stylish angular oh, yeah, helmet motif. Yeah. So I Cap- oh Captain America the Rocketeer and the and Empire Strikes the, Back. And, yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but no, Jurassic Park three doesn't have that. Um, what did you want to talk about what when it comes to Jurassic Park sequels? They're all shit. Like, well, you were making the argument that the three is actually uh, a superior sequel to, to, to Jurassic World. I think that I'm it a, is, and I yeah. think that, I think okay, given that they are both trash, um, 
Which they are. They're or the like, Lost World, sorry. Yeah, yeah the, Lost the Lost World, World and Jurassic yeah. Park 3, they are both garbage. I actually enjoyed Jurassic Park 3 a lot more, which I didn't think that I would. Is part of that expectations, do you think? Uh, I think so. Jurassic Park 3 is known now for it. Like, Jurassic Park 3 has dumped a couple of GIFs in the world, and the most notable <laughs> one, I think, is that it has the... Go- oh, the, the dream g- sequence. No. Oh, no. They go to... Although... <laughs> that's, that's intense. But they go to, like, they go to, like, the aviary, like, the, the never-used oh, yes. aviary. Yes. And the most notable goofy fucking thing in that is that there's some like pterodactyls or something some one of the bird dinosaurs uh they're all are, bird dinosaurs in the, Jake. Uh, but like the wing the winged ones mm-hmm. uh and the, yeah. <laughs> there's a shot in this movie where these dinosaurs that are clearly cg or maybe like puppets that then had cg put on top of them where one of them just like in the middle of a scene just turns and looks at the camera and is really aware <laughs> that the camera is there <laughs> And truly designed for the internet age. And it's it's except that it wasn't. But yeah, it, <laughs> yeah, that's actually the thing. Like so much of '90s, that movie was still the '90s, right? Uh, I think it was early 2000s, but it was like okay, pre, yeah. close enough. It was like 2001. So much, so much yeah. of that like '90s, early 2000s, like still informed by Gen X culture humor was like stuff that feels like actually it is suited for how people interact on the internet yeah but in a way that you that it is not interactive you know like shit like that kind of like self-aware like well, thing. It's, well, but okay. like on the internet you do that because you're pushing it to like dozens two thousands of other people who are then going to be on the other end of it and be like Whoa, sure like, like basically whatever. anytime anyone did anything in the tv show community it was clearly done with the knowledge right. that it would then appear on yes. tumblr instantly yes, exactly but like yeah. the, the thing about the stupid pterodactyl uh turn uh or like what's pteranodon whatever it is is it feels like the director's intention with that was this dinosaur should behave like an animal actor would behave it's mm-hmm. not it's not like 90s dogging it's not like going Burp. it's not right. like like it's not that someone gets hit in the crotch and then the dinosaur goes oh and turns to the camera it's more like <laughs> 90s dogging is very good it's <laughs> is it it's more like if you were somehow filming a scene with actual dinosaur actors and then the animal actor you know like, or if you're if you're filming anything with sure. animal actors and one of the extras, if like dinosaur just, actors existed. Yes, that's I, that's clearly what it was. The yeah. intent was, uh-huh. I think, is like yeah. an actual bird would probably sort of like go, "What the fuck is that?" But at the same time, it's ridiculous. Right, <laughs> and I feel like that's kind of. Jurassic Park three in 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 a nutshell is like <laughs> that is hard to parse. It's an earnest attempt at it. something yeah. very specific and trying to sort of uh-huh. bring any sort of real intentions to this movie, but they all end up just being goofy and schlocky. Right, where like, right. Well, because the line between, I mean, if, I mean, that is a, if you're trying to do something earnest, that is a risky line to draw of like, what if this was like a, well, like, be- you, uh, man. because, the, the, I mean, you can't, anytime anyone looks at a camera, that is like the most loaded imagery in film, right? Like, I assume that kind of fourth wall breaking goes back to like really early times in cinema. Yeah. Right? So, like, that's a risky, that is a risky. It, it clearly seemed like an attempt at naturalistic animal behavior where they're, like, banking on the fact that they have, like, black eyes that don't have a pupil and whatever else. And that, mm-hmm. like, if a, if a character sort of trends towards looking at the camera in just, like, an establishing shot, maybe it would be the footage that you would get grab all the day. But I think it's totally overthought because what you would actually do is go, ah, the animal looked at the camera <laughs> and you would reshoot it. The camera just kind of, like, in the movie, that happens, the camera just kind of goes like, it's just a little, like, startled. Like, well, or, or the home video version where the guy just sort of, like, slowly turns the camera away from the one that is looking at it. I'm like, let's just <laughs> let's just reframe this to be the good version of this because that, that fucking dinosaur just keeps yeah. looking at me. Man, there is actually something kind of weird and 
weird to me about the as movies get less and less and less like elementally about a physical camera filming stuff that's happening in front of the camera right like at this point a lot of big budget movies that happens obviously you have to shoot principal photography and like you have to have something to put into your computers but like a lot of what's going on is totally animated and like in a lot of cases the camera itself is like a virtual camera and so on. movies seem like as that's happening they seem to really be doubling down on like going out of their way to act like the camera to like recreate the sensation of like this is a camera and we're going to put lens flares on it and like the camera is going to get droplets of water on it and like it's going to shake and like you know what I mean like wh- when you were describing the um the intention of that uh um, like, oh, it, this is what it would be like were there an animal actor that is a dinosaur. Like, that, that is making a lot of assumptions about, like, and this camera would be a notable thing the thing would see if this thing was real. Like, it's sort of trying to recreate, like, an honest version of something that only happens incidentally in the past, but now it's like yeah, yeah, no, we're I mean, trying they, to engineer the sensation that this entire framework... The sort of like Battlestar Galactica slash J.J. Yeah. Abrams aesthetic is yeah, all yeah, yeah. the things that were <clears throat> mistakes in analog filmmaking yeah. and that you only got as regrettable artifacts because you couldn't reshoot because you were shooting on film and your shot setup was really expensive right, is right. now the aesthetic to somehow... Yeah, now it's the thing desig- that you want like, to be or just in everything. To like, in every whoa, shot. I just threw everything everywhere. To, yeah... Yeah, that connotates authenticity. The Millennium Falcon shot in Episode Seven or whatever that was used in the early teaser, I feel like, is that that's the perfect example of that shit because it's like this is just it's fucking Star Wars. Why is there a camera that's wobbling around trying to track the Millennium Falcon? Actually, the the scene I I disagree with that entirely because I think that I mean that shot is that shot is expensive, but I think if you address what Star Wars became as a whole with the battle sequences in Empire Strikes Back and the entirety of Return of the Jedi. I think mm. that shot is totally allowed. I don't know. Yeah. I don't I don't hate it, but I, 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 I think it's indi- it's I think it's it, when when a camera goes to light speed or when a ship goes to light speed then the camera wobbles around in space is mm. when it's not Well, good. I was I was okay. going to say yeah, Let's well just, so yo, I prefer <laughs> machete order. My example of this from Star Wars episode 7 <laughs> <laughs> is <laughs> trash. I mean, the what I always think of is the is the shot where they're inside the stormtrooper dropship. Oh and yeah. It looks it looks like saving Private Ryan or something because the camera's like shaking around and the light is flickering and you see all these stormtrooper heads and it actually looks like a modern war movie in the sense that I mean it it looks like the way a modern war movie trying to evoke actual documentary war footage looks so it's sort of filtered through like two different sensibilities in order and then ending up in a Star Wars movie which always struck me as really weird but on that note I actually rewatch I mean. This is an entire thing I wanted to talk about at some point. I didn't even know if it was going to be on. The is it now? Is this the? Is this one? Is this the maybe, bl- blockbuster maybe segment? This is Dorco nerd blockbuster <laughs> s- scenario segment. Um, I watched uh, I Star Wars. I did watch Star Wars last weekend. I think it was actually probably may have been while you were watching. <laughs> this is our new film <laughs> film brat blockbuster cast uh, series. Um, I watched actually, Jake. I learned about this from you. I'd never heard of it. Um, until like a week ago, the silver screen edition of Star Wars, which is a an edition of the original movie Star Wars that was, uh, um, it's, this is like a contraband version of Star Wars though. This is like yeah. not a not sanctioned no, this is release. Not, yeah, sorry, this is not okay. Um, for what it's worth, I am like strenuously n- not a pirate of media in my life. Like I always buy everything, but like I could not help myself from downloading this, given how many goddamn times I've paid for Star Wars movies in my life. The rationalization um, begins immediately. Let's, I know, let's just, I know, uh, I know. 
Anyway, this is a this is a really cool project. This is a uh, it is a, an edition. Of, it is a just you know bootleg edition of Star Wars that was created by scanning a an original 1977 35 millimeter print of Star Wars that was obtained from someone's private collection. Someone just owns this original. Uh, it might have been from the 80s re the early no, 80s re release. Uh, they're both in there. Huh. You can choose, yeah, they have the. It's actually crazy because there's the 1977 one and the 1981. Oh, that's the, the one both, that has a new hope spliced in versus yeah, the Yeah, I anyway, watched okay. the actual original 1977 movie, and there's a ton of differences, um, even between not a ton. There are notable differences even between the 1977 and 1981 release, which was interesting um, because Lucas clearly, like from a long time ago, was already really interested in messing with it, like messing with this stuff. Anyway, it was a really, really that. I guess I don't need to go deep into it, but the original Star Wars is an amazing movie, and like, which is a thing that I I think most people, especially if you're a dork who's listening to this podcast, you would probably sort of just reflexively agree with. But I think it's actually worth watching that movie, especially if you can, in something as close as possible to its original form, and thinking about it in a context not as like the progenitor of this sprawling decade-spanning multimedia franchise, but just as like an individual work of film, like as a movie, that thing is amazing. Yeah, I it's watched. I watched really good. I watched that silver screen print as well, and yeah, it is. It feels so much more like a weird outlier inside of late seventies filmmaking. Yes, nineteen yes. seventies American movie like, making. Yeah. The original Star Wars as it got special editioned and then like more tastefully special editioned and <clears throat> recolor graded and like all Star Wars movies have kind of been like degrained and color graded to basically match each other as well as they can where like yeah. Rogue One, a movie made in 2016, can basically seamlessly cut into the first shot of mm-hmm. A New Hope which is like the special edition, the da 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 da. Like Star Wars basically increasingly feels like episodes of its own TV show that have been produced over thirty years. But when you go and watch that like straight up re like scanned yeah seventies uh, one, it's it's surprising to look at how like how much that frog has basically been boiled over thirty years. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. and yeah. when it starts, I remember. I mean, also some of this is just has to do with like the the specific print itself, obviously. But like, w- um. So who who knows what it, you know, would have looked like in a truly pristine print. But um, when you start, it's like, man, this is it. I don't know if it's because I just acclimated or because it just so happens that like the early f- frames, I don't even know, of the, of in the first reel of this thing were just a little less cleaned up. But like it starts and you're like, oh, this feels like an old movie. But then as you get into it, it really just. It's like, wow, this is actually just a shockingly beautiful movie where just everything looks fantastic. And the reason I thought of this at all is because uh, when uh, when we were talking about, um, like, Handycam and, and Screen Shake and stuff like that in the context of, of, of Star Wars and these other and, – and Jurassic Park and so on, um, I was really struck by the fact that as I, I, I think the first – Handheld, not the first time there's screen shake or anything, but the first actual handheld shot, I think, in Star Wars, and one of the only ones in the whole movie is when um, uh, is on Tatooine when um, Obi Wan is like looking around and he's like coming to find, uh, you know, he scares the Tusken Raiders away and he's sneaking around and R two D two is like hiding in a little cave Mm -hmm. and that's all like. 
not even all of it, but like a few of those shots are handycam shots and the camera's like peeking around rocks and stuff. And it feels really voyeuristic and intense in a way that modern movies cannot or at least are unwilling to achieve because they spend so much of their time with the camera like flying around and simulating handheld and doing all this shit. Whereas Star Wars is like for as much of it as it's a like a an action movie, obviously, it spends a lot of its time being very stately and very composed and very like part of that is probably because to... because so much of it is matte shots and effect yeah. shots yeah, where you no, can't move the camera for around. sure. But the result is that you get something that feels really grand, and then in the moment where when it is like peeking around corners, it feels really claustrophobic, really intense, really voyeuristic, really like real time and. I don't think it would have been possible to create that moment of like that particular kind of tension and um, sort of smallness if the movie had constantly been using every like, yep. camera movement trick in the book up to that point. And it like I, that moment, like it really struck me like it was really, really impactful. I bet that the be- just to completely jump back to what you were saying a second ago, I bet that the beginning of that is actually noisier because I I would not be surprised if real one of that was screened more often just to show yeah, someone it's Star Wars right. and then also yeah. the very the leader on film reels is always going to be noisier because it's the part that's like messed into the camera like I, it seems like like when when we go watch stuff at Noir City at the Castro which is where they screen a bunch of old movies like movies that films that have been run through a projector a bazillion times when it gets to the beginning and end of reels is always when it shits up and i bet that the very beginning of of someone's copy of star wars is the most watched thing i bet you're right because you're just like check this shit out (laughs) what like (laughs) oh yeah also it was so great to hear the like weird like slightly detuned first note in that oh Mm -hmm. my god that is a childhood that is a thing that is like i can't speak too objectively that is just a like i remember that where there's the sound. like, yeah, just yeah, played through a film projector, but also recorded off of a magnetic tape that is yeah. just like none of it's quite yeah. right. Yeah. yeah, but but from a yes, yeah, there were definitely some like real deep like nostalgic hits there watching that again. But there were also a lot of things that, as an adult, I was like, man, there is there are a lot of reasons this movie worked really, 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 really well, and like at this point, I. I don't think it like I don't think it's ever going to be topped by anything in its own anything that bears its name. You know what I mean? Like at this point, I basically think that like the best anyone can do with Star Wars is like don't ruin it more than it has been. Um, like watching that movie, those the character just like the there are so few characters in that movie. There are so few of them compared to like every single other Star Wars movie. In which there's every time a new Star Wars movie comes out, there's like twenty times the number of characters in it that there need to be, I, it feels like to me. Yeah. And the original Star Wars, there's basically, I mean, three to four characters. To, like, I mean, obviously there's a lot more than that. And in terms of people who are on the screen all the time, it's basically like Mark Hamill, Carrie Fisher, and Harrison Ford are just like overwhelmingly the focus of that movie. And those char- and those three people, especially Carrie Fisher and Harrison Ford, absolutely kill. Like Mark Hamill's, a little rough in that in that one, but like, you know, sells the naive kid thing sure. just by virtue of who he is. But man, I, when we did our our new year, our um, uh, last episode of 2016, we did it before the end of the year, and unfortunately, like in the period of time while that episode was banked, Carrie Fisher and her, her mother uh, Debbie Reynolds passed away, and a 
people, uh, there were a bunch of people on Twitter and on the forums and stuff who, you know, we made jokes on the podcast about like who knew, who even knows what like more terrible things will happen. Ha ha, twenty sixteen. Am I right? Um, but then like, <laughs> a, a, just like actually the thing we were joking about happened, like a version of that thing. Yep. And people pointed out like, oh, you guys didn't even know. Um, and watching this movie made me really bummed. I'm kind of going off on a weird tangent here, but like I, it, that movie in, reminded me, um, it just, that combined with Carrie Fisher passing away reminded me what an impressive person she was generally. And like, this is late to be sort of mentioning that it's not timely anymore, but like the way that she was covered in her life was really, I think, disgraceful. Uh, and the she, watching that movie was crazy to imagine. She was what nineteen or something? I think so. When that movie was made, she looks so much more composed and like an adult than she actually was. Especially given now what we know about like the way she was treated on set and like the stuff that happened to her in that like environment and sort of you know how sort of alone she was in that stuff. None of that comes through in the movie in which she looks to be entirely in command of everything and like fully composed as a person. Um, and that contrasted with the way that she um, spoke about her experiences in Hollywood and about her life and like just how full of shit basically everyone in that entire world is, I think is really, really cool. And it's been really disingenuous how like much the media has fawned over her in the weeks since she's passed away relative to how much, like Nick, you and I were talking about this a few weeks ago, how much she was basically perpetually treated as like kind of a weird like pariah or like just shy of a laughingstock. And I, I like it just it just bums me out. I think it's really shitty. Um, and uh, I just have been thinking a lot about how much like constant exposure to like media churn makes sort of makes a joke out of everything. I don't know. I'm going way I'm like getting into a weird zone right now, so I'm going to get way I mean to can it on everything I'm saying right now. But anyway, Star Wars, that was a great movie. And yep. You should really watch it. It's a great reminder of like You should watch Star Wars. You, should, if you haven't heard of Star Wars. No, but you should because Star <laughs> Wars is now infinite content, but there actually is just a movie called Star Wars that was great, and it's really worth remembering like why specifically yeah, it no, was it's, great. Yeah. It is one of those like Anything like that that has a bazillion sequels, you kind of take for granted. Oh, that first one was good. But like when you were talking about all that anyone who's making new Star Wars stuff can do, the best they can hope to do is not fuck it up. What that reminded me uh, of was when I was working on the fifth Monkey Island game when I was at Telltale, which is like a longstanding game franchise. And mm. the first one is fucking fantastic, like genre defining. And I remember when we were told we were going to potentially get that license i said can we not can we please not uh work <laughs> right. on this like i'm in this job because of monkey island but then on that project it felt like just the sort of the atrophy of what makes of what made that great uh like over time uh, in a million sequels my my i felt like my job which i you know did only as well as a, a person who fucks everything up can do was basically to like the analogy of like when you go to a campsite, your job should be to leave it slightly cleaner than how you found it because right. it inevitably yeah, yeah, yeah. is just going to have garbage added to it. Sure. I felt like 
my my responsibility as a person who liked Monkey Island was just like when I walk out of the end of this game, can I at least have maybe cleaned up some of the detritus? And if not, could I have just like moved the food around a little bit and <laughs> then like, yeah. God, I like it's it's terrifying. And I, yeah, it, I I used to secretly still want to make another Monkey Island mm-hmm. game because I love that series so much. And now I'm just like, God, can it just? You mean before or after you? Worked even on even, after, even after like you like on, yeah, I yeah. worked on the on Tales of Monkey Island at Telltale Games, and at the end of it, I was like, okay, I feel like now I get it, and I could actually, if this team made another one, we could probably actually like move the trajectory upward. But now I'm like, ah, it's not even worth the risk. It's not even worth the risk of that. Like just don't make any more. Just stop. Like just stop doing it. Yeah. Um, yep. I mean, it's nice that, I mean, I guess, I mean, this is sort of a weird thing to say, but like it's Monkey Island is not like successful enough on a global scale yeah, no. that people are going to feel the need to just like infinitely mine it forever. Yeah, you know? no. And I mean, especially yeah. now that it's owned by Disney, Monkey Island, the size of the Monkey Island that's IP weird. relative to Star Wars and Marvel right. is yeah, like, yeah, okay, yeah. that's the, the yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, deep bottom i'm glad that like i'm glad that double fine has taken stewardship over a lot of the old lucasarts stuff mm-hmm. and is doing like pretty yeah. tasteful re-releases stuff to get them directly involved with i guess yeah i guess he was obviously in monkey island as well but not as the yeah but the principal guy but they already did yeah. bad restorations of those right. before That's double true. fine got yeah, 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 got yeah. a hold of it yep but yep, yep. yeah anyway lucas properties getting messed with <laughs> <laughs> weird weird these are all lucas properties yeah yeah jurassic park wasn't i guess that's true. No. It just yeah. felt like it was of yeah. that same school. Well, yes, because, you know. Like Jurassic Park is from at... the creator of Westworld, Chris. <laughs> Michael Crichton. Oh, weird. Yeah, you're right. Of course. That is Which that could is so weird. fucking shittily loop us back around to J.J. Abrams. Anyway, we got to get off this, I think. I think we got to get into a break. Oh, yeah. But I, right. I, I mentioned that only because Westworld is a bad robot TV show. Even though it's by it's the a, Nolans. It's a, it's a decent robot TV show. No, no, no. It's say. produced by a bad robot. I know, Jake. It's... It's not a decent. It's a decent. It is. It, as far as robot TV shows, I would go, say that Westworld. Like, I would say that Westworld in all ways is a bad robot TV that's show. True, that's true. I would say it started out as a promising robot TV show. I would say it kind about of, bad robots. Though. About bad robot. Yeah, it was a bad robot. T- it was. It was a bad robot. Bad robot. Bad, decent robot. TV trending towards show, bad TV robot. Trending towards bad robot. Ended up pretty questionable robot TV show. I would just. I would describe Westworld all around. As a bad robot just bad production. Ro- just bad Westworld colon bad robot. Yeah, that's fine. It's my, it's my subhead patent pending. God, Christ. Video games. This episode of Idle Thumbs is brought to you by Blue Apron. Blue Apron conveniently sends everything you need to make delicious home-cooked meals right to your door. That is the ingredients, the recipes. They all come in a nice refrigerated box, and you have three meals Worth three, three two-person meals per week. It's actually – you can adjust that in, in various ways. Yeah. But uh, you get these delicious meals right to your home. You make them. It tells you how. <laughs> They're very straightforward recipes but span a wide variety of cuisines and ingredients. Um, it's just the most convenient, nice thing. You learn new cooking techniques. You learn new ingredients. You learn new uh, new new inspirations from the world, the world of cooking and eating. Um for instance, mm. seared pork chops with farro and cranberry chutney. This is coming up in January. <laughs> Spicy shrimp and Korean rice cakes with cabbage and furikake. I don't know what furikake is, but I'm going to find out when I make it. When you eat it. When I eat it. 
Spaghetti squash and marinara with mushrooms and garlic knots. What's a garlic knot? You'll find out. You'll when put you eat it in it. your mouth, and it'll be delicious. I bet. Um, if you go to blueapron.com/idle, you can get your first three meals free with free shipping. Nice. Three meals free, free shipping. Well, they'll send you a box of food for free, and then you can make it. You can cook it up. Uh, a box I mean, of ingredients. That's true. Yeah. I mean, you could just. I mean, eat you it. could recombine them in weird ways. I mean, I would. Unless you're like an expert, Blue Apron hacks. <laughs> there probably is that. They're probably totally in the. I'm sure that there's a. Yeah. Actually, it's funny. I actually know there is because the other day I saw I was searching for for like some food related thing without like it wasn't even Blue Apron related, and I ended up on a site that was like, check out how I plussed up this Blue Apron rep- recipe, and they were like, I got my latest Blue Apron, and it gave me an idea, and it was a whole. I I wasn't prepared to talk about it because I. It was just a coincidence that I saw that. It's but fine. People do all kinds of stuff. It's just food. It's an open platform. You know, do whatever you want. Go to blueapron.com slash idle. You get your first three meals free. Um, one thing they do is they use the uh, Monterey Bay Aquarium Seafood Watch um, uh, to sort – like they use that guide when they're sourcing their seafood. This is a, um, a lot of grocery stores will use this rating system to determine if the seafood you're buying is sustainable and like ethically sourced. Oh, that's cool. And Blue Apron uses that um, as their as their guideline for, for getting all their seafood. So that's just a cool thing they do. Anyway, blueapron.com slash idle. Get your first three meals free with free shipping. Thanks, Blue Apron. You're welcome. Video this episode of Idle Thumbs is also brought to you by Casper. Casper manufactures and sends directly to Nick Brecken's home a comfortable mattress made in the United States of America that explodes out of a box and fixes his spine. How's that Casper mattress treating you, Nick? Still good. You're out like a, what, a month in or something probably? Uh, yeah, about, yeah. yeah. No, it's great. I love it. <laughs> you can tell how much he loves it. It puts him into, it puts him into this sedate, slumbery I'm sleepy all the time now because I want to be in my Casper. <laughs> I just find my body just shutting down because it just wants to be wow. in, in the Casper I don't know bed. if this is what they want you to be saying. I don't know. If you go to casper.com slash thumbs and use the offer code thumbs, you can get $50 towards any mattress purchase. It's like a cartoon wolf being drawn to like the steam from a pie. Nick's entire like yes. middle, Nick Nick's midsection a, yeah. is just sort of drawn mm-hmm. to, to curl back up in bed and just not face the day. Why get up, Casper? It's true. <laughs> Why ever leave your bed? <laughs> Casper.com slash thumbs and the offer code thumbs. Casper, you live on it now. <laughs> That's not their new slogan, but uh, it's true of Nick Brecken's life. So comfortable and warm and away from the rest of the world. Why ever leave your bed? <laughs> Why ever see the sun again? Just watch Jurassic Park movies. It's cloudy anyway. <laughs> That's true. It has been. It's it, probably raining. It has been raining Casper. like crazy here. Um, it does sound nice to just curl up on a Casper and uh, wait and sleep it out. Um, I guess, <laughs> just sleep it out. 2017. 2017, sleep it out. Just wait and sleep it out. <laughs> Casper matches. 2017 through 2021, just sleep it out. Um, Casper.com slash thumbs with the offer code thumbs, $50 towards the purchase of any comfortable, conveniently delivered Casper mattress. Thanks, Casper. Thanks, Chris. Video game. I know. I know, I know, I know what you actually mean. And they specifically like at whatever Steve Jobs thing that was. He yeah. talked about like 
I'm just goofing on Well, him. you could have sued him or whatever. What <laughs> <laughs> did he? I didn't even know that. I'm sure he said something like that. We could have sued him. <laughs> That's classic. Classic Steve, Steve Jobs, Jobs quote. Just a simple man. Would have been uh, insanely <laughs> great, right? <laughs> could have sued him. It's me, Steve Jobs. I I, I rewatched the the iPhone MacWorld keynote on Monday because I'm one of the people who rewatches <laughs> the 10th anniversary uh, iPhone <laughs> announcement. And I watched a bunch of it because I wanted to watch some yeah. Steve Jobs. And I know you did. When he, un- I mean, I didn't know that, but I know you did. When he uh, like listed all the bullet points that were the key things of the iPhone, where it was like it's got a, you know, whatever Wi-Fi, and it's got the touchscreen, and it's got multi-touch. His final bullet point was patented exclamation point. <laughs> <laughs> so amazing, yeah, amazing. He was really proud of the fact that it was so new. The inventions were so new that they were in fact patented. Yeah. That's funny that also it was immediately everyone did the all the exact same tech from that phone shut up before else. But yeah, no, it's funny that you even that that's like that was even a thing because that he would bother putting on a slide because I was just thinking the other day like I was looking at my just like coffee travel mug you know just like the metal cylinder you pour coffee into and you screw it closed and I was just like looking at the inside of the the cap and it stamped in metal says patented. And I was like, what the, like, what does it even mean for this thing to be patented? Like, I'm sure that there's, I'm sure that, like, I couldn't make it. Like, I'm not smart enough to make this good and keep the coffee hot. But, like, what, why does anything, like, what is the value of anything being patented at the point that, like, that thing, which is made by many different manufacturers. Maybe you had And can be bought I bet it has, it's got to have one special feature, Chris. That's that what I mean. That's like it's a nominal. It's like it's like it's probably got the metallic inside and the metallic outside with a little air chamber between. But then it has a very specific like honeycomb pattern uh, inside <laughs> right. of yeah. the cooling chamber. That's chambers. what I mean. That's what I mean. Like, so, she... well, so I mean, it's not as though like Steve Jobs just took like the Q phone and put a honeycomb pattern on it. And it was like, I, this allowed me to patent I think, it. I think that before the iPhone came out, the only time that multi-touch stuff had actually been anywhere was in, like, a guy's TED Talk. Was the iPhone, the original iPhone was multi-touch? Yeah. Oh, I didn't even remember that. Oh, yeah. I guess you would know as a that recent. That was the whole point. Like, that was <laughs> yeah. what people, like, their but that's also what exploded. Yeah, pinch to zoom. <laughs> you gotta pinch it. You gotta pinch it, Chris. That's all, that's you what gotta I, pinch it. You got said <laughs> Steve oh, Jobs. That's classic Steve Jobsism. <laughs> Could have sued him. Uh, gotta pinch it. Thank God. Steve Jobs' soundboard is a really good soundboard. Right? Yeah. <laughs> it's just, yeah. It's used for many, like, large, uh, white-suited lawyers in cartoons. <laughs> it's really good that uh, I had XSplit muted at the beginning of this, so Twitch chat has no idea what we're talking about. I oh, unmuted it halfway there. You're talking about a mug. <laughs> oh, weird. It's okay. It all ties back to Steve Jobs, everyone, like everything does. <laughs> Anyway, yeah, Steve Jobs loves patenting things. I forget what I, I, I mean. S- ev- literally, everyone does. Is what I like. That's what's. Yeah. I don't know. It's weird. Yeah, because I I get it. I get why he's pleased about like oh, that private. phone. Like that's a, that was an amazing device. But like it sort of cheapens the the whole thing. Nope. When like I mean essentially every like. I don't know. Like, I wouldn't it's be It's not surprised. patented, Chris. I mean, it's I a mug. Blow my m- Mugs are in the public domain. No, they're not. <laughs> because I have one well, you have that a good is patented. One. Anyway. Uh, 
So people are just sitting here watching us. People are wondering what the fuck. Uh, What you missed, people at home, was nothing. The the mic test. (laughs) It's fine. That's our standard, uh, you know. We always open up with some thoughts about Steve, our good friend. Mm -hmm. May may he rest in peace. Um, And then we get into the goofs. Yeah, preparing for episode 300, I went and listened to a bunch of old episodes. Our our uh, mic check goofs are way better. Like yeah. Around like episode 15 to 35, 40. Mm-hmm. Like there's some good stuff. Like hours of stuff probably. Yeah. Yeah. These days, no. We just talk about Steve Jobs with the microphones off. <laughs> <laughs> One of those things makes it particularly <laughs> well. Back when Steve Jobs was alive, our pre-roll goofs were way better. Our microphones were turned on, yeah, always. <laughs> uh, now we keep our. Now we mute half of each podcast in honor, in honor of, of Steve when we Jobs. had uh, Jobs, Cash, and whatever the third one was. <laughs> hope back when we had hope. Yeah, I used to really hope I could keep the microphones turned on. But then Bob Hope died. <laughs> then, yeah. And then I just didn't have the cash to get new ones. God, 2016, am I right? We lost I Steve Jobs, jobs. Bob Hope, Johnny Cash. It's just... Um. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> will, will it ever end? Will 2016 ever come... 2016? Will 2016, <laughs> the year that claimed Steve Jobs, <laughs> Johnny Cash, and uh, whatever that other guy was? Uh, Bowie. Uh, <laughs> Bring it, 2016. We 2016 is over, but 2016, <laughs> 2016 has just begun. never ends. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. Um, so in conclusion, the reason that I think Jurassic Park 3 <laughs> is the better movie, I actually yeah. don't think it's necessarily better, but uh-huh. oh, this actually feels so hollow after all of our discussion about continuing series That's and okay. whatever. Hopefully this podcast is edited such that all of that discussion comes and then uh, we do the, the, the harp uh, music. <laughs> And then we realize that. Yeah, yeah, no, no, no. This, is, this podcast is, in fact, presented in machete yeah. order. Yeah. So, uh, um, this. Jurassic Park 3, the returning character is Dr. Alan Grant, played by Sam Neill, uh, as opposed to The Lost World, where it's the. Jeff Goldblum. Where as, Jeff Goldblum as, yeah. as Ian Malcolm. And then, like, also the, the Hammond family is in there for, like, a tiny minute. Right. But the, the, the horrible thing about The Lost World to me is that it's, like, Jeff Goldblum is the lead character, and it's. Dr. Ian Malcolm, which should be like, that's a good opportunity. Like the, the amount of potential yeah. that they have there yeah. is high. And the amount that they waste is all of it, except for one shot. Is uh, it beyond? Yeah. 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 Cause there's yeah. a woman at the very beginning of the lost world gets attacked by a dinosaur screams, uh, <laughs> and then it cuts, uh, and the scream carries over to God. This is so good. To like a picture or to, to footage of Jeff Goldblum with on a his, beach, seemingly on a beach with his mouth open, as if the scream is coming from him. And then he, it turns into a yawn, and then the camera pans and reveals that he's just in a New York subway station with an ad for a tropical vacation yeah. behind him. It is so many layers of stupidity. Oh, and the, 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 like, from uh, the wind of the storm on the beach is replicated by there being a train going by blowing his yeah, hair. Yeah. Uh-huh. Like God, it is fantastic. That scene is great, and then the rest of the movie. Um, I mean, it's great in a way that is so stupid 
I mean, like, it is actually great in how inventive and crazy it is, but it's also a kind of great that the original Jurassic Park never would have no, brooked. No, but, like, but never. is totally in Which, Spielberg's wheelhouse, especially early Spielberg. I'm just yes, like... when he's a little more playful. Goofy garbage, yeah, but yeah, whatever. Yeah. At, from that point on, Jeff Goldblum's job in that movie is to be the guy who's like, I've seen some crazy shit with dinosaurs yeah, and you shouldn't, a, you shouldn't do this. Yeah, he's not good His job movie, is just to say no, and I think... I enjoyed watching Jurassic Park 3 because Dr. Alan Grant actually kind of has a story arc and his character is at least consistent and like Sam Neill can do something good that kind Mm -hmm. of like reminds you why like he's still out on digs. He's kind of Jurassic Park happened by that point like a decade earlier in his life. But like it has him go and like try to present uh, a lecture to some like undergrads and the only questions that like kids have is like – I'm not even planning on going into your profession because Jurassic Park exists. Like, obviously, right. because a dinosaur can exist, this yeah, is worthless. And, he, up, and yeah. he's like, yeah, the place that he's at in that movie is sort of trying to be like, ah, well, actually, the fundamentals of this are still important, and this is still going to be a science, and my career is not worthless. But like, I don't know. Like, well, that character so, is also a sort of more grounded character to base a movie on. Whereas, yeah, I think a lot of the the thing that feels like a waste about uh, the Lost World is that. Uh, the Ian Malcolm character has to really be flattened out a lot in order to make him capable of sustaining an entire plot of a movie. Right. Well, or or the movie is about that character having to actually take on responsibilities that are like way outside of his wheelhouse. Yeah. And like you could you could see a, there could be a well, totally bugged stuff. out sweating version of this movie Correct. where Ian Malcolm is yeah. like, oh, this is real. Yeah, it's not that he's just like tight shirt Independence Day, Jeff Goldblum, 100 percent. But like. I liked the Jurassic Park 3 actually tried to still have that stuff, even though it eventually just goes fucking... Well, now I want to watch fucking, Jurassic Park 3. It's a piece of shit. Yeah, okay. But, like, it's not good. It's not, good. It's not worth watching at all. Okay, but fair enough. I liked that it tried. It felt like a more earnest attempt at a yeah. sequel as opposed to The Lost World, which felt like Spielberg just kind of fucking around because he had to make it. And right. then, But it didn't end up being fun for anyone other than him, I don't think, to watch that movie. Anyway, that's uh, that's how Anakin Skywalker became Darth Vader. <laughs> well, speaking of Jeff Goldblum, I'd forgotten about this in the, on this podcast, but all three of us are going to be in his presence this Saturday. We are um, so Nick, Nick and I. Um, what last year? Two years? I can't remember. Yeah, last year. A little while ago. Yeah, last year we saw Jeff Goldblum's jazz combo live, and we're doing that again. This weekend, um, except Jake's also going to be there. Uh, Ruining it. <laughs> spoiling it. Um, and that'll be fun. I'm looking forward to it. It was, yeah. a good, it was a good weird It was a good weird show. I forget if we talked. We probably talked about it on the podcast. I okay. can't really remember. But it's a good strange thing that he does. Um, and I assume this will be very similar. I mean, the difference is that one was presented. Uh, that was that one was at a jazz sh- jazz club in a hotel. This is the, part of Sketchfest yes, this year. This, this, is, this yeah. one is a little more admitting about probably why most of its audience is showing up, uh, which is that it's explicitly part of a comedy event. Um, but it has both components fully. Both of those things are fully part of the show. Yeah. So that'll be good. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, good doing a podcast with you guys this week. <laughs> yeah. I forgot to queue up reader mail. Yeah, <laughs> we're just going straight to reader mail. Yes. Reader mail. Well, actually, you know what? Before we go straight to reader mail, I'm just going to mention one thing. 
I got into a, obviously sort of a reflective mode towards the end of that Star Wars stuff as I was talking about like Carrie Fisher and the way that the media I, it was a very jumbled point I was making and I don't really know if I ended up making a point but one sort of more directly um, experiential thing that I can mention is last night I went to see um, an interview with Zadie Smith the the novelist um, she was supposed to be interviewed by Dave Eggers but he was uh, he was out of town so instead she was interviewed by Michael Chabon and uh, he did a great job in in Edgar's absence. And Zadie Smith uh, is the author of. I mean, books. they got the other one to do. The I know interview. they got the other one. When he came on stage, that was that was basically the joke. Um, he introduced himself as Dave Eggers, and then uh, and the whole thing was basically like acknowledging that <laughs> yeah. another Bay Area sort of white guy, acclaimed, slightly dorky novelist, is yep. here. Um, anyway, uh, Zadie Smith is the is the author of most recently of. Uh, of um, Swing Time, but also the novel N.W., which I really, really love. Other novels like um, On Beauty and, and uh, White Teeth, and uh, she's just really smart. And it was an incredibly, incredibly enjoyable interview. She said she is astonishingly intelligent, like very sort of easily intelligent in a way that is not um, – overbearing in any way she just clearly thinks about things um so fully uh and is able to speak about them so easily and sort of um i don't know how to put it but like calmly like it's just she it was a very like nice relaxing evening but also it felt like my brain had been wrenched open and like i had in a relaxing put way. It, yeah and like sort of just massaged it and like it actually really did ease yesterday was a really stressful day if you were on the internet like it's just if you care about the state of the world it was like a really weird day full of dumb things and going to that and seeing two incredibly intelligent people speak about life and art and the world in a in a very intelligent but also like fundamentally calm and not just like manic way like on this podcast uh, was really valuable and it reminded me that like I- I've been spending a lot of time recently with uh, sort of entertainment comfort food like I've sort of I've sort of uh, decreased the amount of time I spend like listening to politically tinged podcasts and things like that because I'm finding like everything in the world so stressful right now and this, going to this reminded me that it is also really important not just to like to seek out the easy bullshit like what we provide. Um, whoa, whoa, whoa! I mean, real. Let's be real. Um, but like, and not, and also not the sort of intelligent stuff that's just going to stress you out. Like, it's also good to try and like reach up a little bit for the things that are worthwhile and are going to sort of broaden your perspective as a person in ways that have perspective and are like fundamentally calming and like sedate. Yeah, no, there's and, there's a lot of pressure right now to slide off that knife's edge in either one of two directions, right. which is just go ape shit over how much you love Marvel movies or you better be fucking paying attention and engaged and active and somehow making a difference just by way of pointing your eyes at the most aggressively aligned Maddening, and aligned like, political yeah, yeah, news right, that you right, can yes. fucking find yeah. and anything in the middle 
is like a weird dead zone. Well, because even saying, yeah, exactly, because it's in, in, to make about, a video game analogy, it's like the center <laughs> of an analog stick. Video games, <laughs> uh, because yeah, right. The thing that I that I sort of realized last night that I actually had not been thinking about recently is that it's not a gradient between those two extremes. There are other entirely different axes that aren't even part of that line that are like, oh, you can actually also just experience things that go in a totally different direction that isn't part of the sort of thin band of the way of interacting with things that happens like sort of just on social media and stuff where everything is either like aggressively like escapist or aggressively intentionally sort of anger inducing. Yeah, I went I went to a handful of free museums over Christmas break and it had a very similar effect on me. Uh, just like, yeah. yep, that's a thing that I can do with my brain that yeah. is uh, educating me and also still giving me some interesting social perspective that I hadn't thought about, but also is not assaulting me either with how happy I should feel or how anxious I should feel. Right. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I did it's the a, same thing. Nice. Yeah. yeah. So that is that is my endorsement that is impossible to specifically replicate, which is seeing uh, Zadie Smith and uh, Michael Shabon in conversation at the North Theater in San Francisco in the past. But I take I don't know. But you like, can also listen to that. I don't know. Yeah, I wonder actually. I don't know if you. No, can No, they were always recorded. And oh, put do it on they? Oh, that's NPR. really good to know. I didn't yeah. actually know that. Okay, it's a great, it's a great, 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 great conversation, and there's a lot in it about sort of what art can achieve to better the world, what it can't achieve. And the whole thing was uplifting and encouraging and had a lot of perspective. And, you know, if you have the time and interest and inclination, seek out things like that. If you're not just this thing in particular, but like, you know, that stuff is, is harder to find. But every once in a while, like, find something like that to sort of try and calm your your brain. Man, actually, um, I think that this general conversation, although the specifics are obviously very different, but the reasons are the same. Uh, I have gotten back into playing the witness in the last oh, like in the last uh-huh. month, and I've been engaging with the witness. I think the way that probably someone my age or slightly older played Mist in the '90s, which is just like I will just go and sit down and use it as an opportunity sure. to just sort of be alone with my thoughts for mm-hmm. 40 minutes, and it's been very good. Actually, we were talking about that at work. A lot of People in the office seem to have gone back and started playing the witness over, Christ- like over like yeah. over like winter You're break. That, it makes me want to and I suspect I that it is it. like it's a very s- solitary, mm-hmm. uh, like not not meditative experience. It's like intellectually stimulating, but it's just sort of its objective is just to engage a different part of your brain, but in a way that is not like that game doesn't care if you solve its puzzles or not. It doesn't care if you right. wander around, but at the same time, like. It feels like a learning process. I don't mm-hmm. know. I, yeah, it's I. I really bounced off that game at the beginning of this year, but uh, it's now like the thing that that and that and uh, Mario Run are the <laughs> for a very different reason. Very, like very different, yeah. if my brain is doing nothing, I'm playing Mario Run. Mm-hmm. But if I want to actually just like if have brain... a little like window into yeah, just yeah, yeah. a solitary space that I can do some active and background thinking at the same time, I, I've been playing The Witness. Yeah. No, that makes sense. That game really encourages sort of a meditative state. Yeah. 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 That's cool. Yeah. We talked about Mario a lot last week, and one of the – a lot of people wrote in or just tweeted or posted forum posts with various pieces of feedback. And uh, there was one piece of of crucial Mario lore that I think that we forgot to to talk about, but it's like – 
it's my favorite like missing puzzle piece of this entire thing. We talked about how perhaps Mario ascends to becoming like a corrupted ruler uh, Wario, mm. uh, but that his brother Luigi goes and just disappears, uh, and and Mario's <laughs> Mario's son Mario uh, becomes the new Mario. What someone pointed out, someone said that. Uh, well, a couple of people pointed this out, but one person said they were just screaming at the podcast that the original Luigi and and uh, Mario's son Mario are obviously the pair that are described as the new Super Mario Brothers. <laughs> oh my god, yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah, oh my god, yeah, yeah, it is. So I thought that was very, very good. I feel like this is all really does uh, hold, it does actually, hold up. Yeah, I think yeah, that well, I think that yeah. it was you know, Nintendo says. may not know, yeah. but you it know, all connects. It all connects. Yeah, yeah checks out. That was that. Yeah. People said a lot of uh, true things. A lot of true things. Mitch Mastroni, I don't know what this means, writes, ask Nick about Brecky the Clown, his father's former professional title. <laughs> does that mean anything to you? Yeah. It does? Yeah. What is that? I don't remember what I meant. I must have been on a stream or something. Oh, you just um, made this up. No, no, no. It's real. My oh. dad. My dad was a clown. Whoa! <laughs> what <laughs> for? Like what? not not necessarily professionally as a clown, but he. <laughs> what worked... do you mean not necessarily? Well, I, I, I and I don't know the whole story. I should have I should have asked him uh, in preparation. I didn't know this was coming up, but um, yeah, I no, thought he, I didn't. He, think this, he and I his didn't... friend uh, were clowns to promote. I think a store that he was working for at the time, and they would go around the store dressed as a clown. And his his like title that he gave himself was Brecky the Clown. But wow. then, like, people would just call him Brecky for the rest of his life <laughs> oh, based man. off of this thing. So, yeah. it's, you know, ostensibly calling him a clown. <laughs> right. <laughs> but just, yeah. But, yeah, I completely forgot about that. Yeah, wow. I, should, I should have asked him about the, the history of that stuff. But, yeah. Yep. Do, are there photographs? Uh, I don't think so. If there are, I should I should find them. Uh, no one will ever again, for the rest of human existence, mm-hmm. be able to have an episode not like that, that in their life and yeah. not have it be extensively documented. It's true. Yep. Your father is a lucky man. <laughs> Probably. That he was born whenever he was born. Yeah. Because that is like, that is going away. Yep. No, it's true. You can just go through your the, iPhone photo the, roll and find that time that you were a clown for like three minutes. Yeah. But he was probably a clown for like four years and there's probably right, and there's zero nothing. evidence yeah. of it. Yeah, the yeah. future Brekkies of the world yeah. have no recourse. Yeah, it's true. It's yeah. true. Anyway. Yeah. Well, no luck there, Jake. Well, I mean, really, it's it's insane. Like the, the Frog Fractions 2 ARG or the, the, the ARGs were so complicated and insane. Like it's, I, a couple people who were involved in solving them told me last week that I did not do them justice in my quick wrap up, which is true. But I'm quickly scrolling through this website and it is revealed that I absolutely did not do it justice. So instead of trying to, um, to do that, my recommendation is that you just Google the phrase Game Detectives Wiki Frog Fractions 2 mm. and hit the top link. Game Detectives is like the subreddit slash Discord chat group of sure. like game arg busters, basically. And they have an extensive, insane wiki that documents the entire like first year and a half of Frog Fraction 2's existence. Um, and it is like looking at the most absurd conspiracy movie of all time, basically. Like there's just right. Google Google Earth maps with like shapes drawn on them that then correspond to things and just like ah oh, it's it's wild. But just just do that and ignore what I said last week and you'll have a good time. Uh Arg solving is like Eve Online or something, I think, where it's fun to read about sure. what people are doing more yeah. than it actually is fun yeah. to participate in it. I but, mean unless um, you're a particular kind of person. Yeah, 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 yeah of yeah. course. Yeah. But 
Um, although now, because those guys, uh, because a lot of ARG solvers do that in public chat rooms on things like Discord, you can also be a voyeuristic weirdo and watch them in real time. Yeah, which yeah. I spent I spent like two weeks at the end of Frog Fractions two doing that. Once the Firewatch update went live, I just idled in the chat room and. It was my bad reality TV show of watching a bunch of people on the internet try to put a map on top of another map. Thrilling stuff. <laughs> um, anyway, go look at that game detective. Go look at that junior game detective is at home. <laughs> go look at that game detective. Sounds like just the recurring like tagline you would have heard in a like Carmen Sandiego clone. Yep. Right? Mm-hmm. Like just like Go check it out, Game Detective. Yeah. Like, click Cairo, whatever. <laughs> Henchman found. Yeah. That exists, by the way, in Frog Fractions, too. I just, it just occurred to oh, me. Oh, there's a Carmen Sandiego yeah. in there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. yeah. Nice. Yep, yep, yep. With a weird, like, Latin version of the Rockapella theme song. It's very good and weird. <laughs> I have not gotten to that part yeah, of Frog Fractions, too. It's, it takes a while. Yeah. That game is big. All right. Well, that's a podcast. Might be it. Oh, one weird thing. Sorry. Oh, sure. One weird thing uh, invented by a mom. Yeah. But, yep. That Obama doesn't want you to know about, <laughs> etc. Um, one of the recent Wizard Jam game, or the one of the games from the most recent Wizard Jam, which was <clears throat> Wizard Jam uh-huh. Four, that happened what in November. Uh, yeah, that sounds right. Called the Bear's Black Heart, which is a game based on the time that you bought. Bear that would always sing happy birthday to Nick, but he diffused correctly, got played on YouTube by Markiplier, who is a big Let's Player. And it's actually a pretty interesting stream if you are a person who wants to go watch uh, a video that is... If you want to watch a major YouTube personality play a procedurally generated game that is actually pretty fun, but has no idea what it means when they like encounter and devour Dot, dot Gobbler. gobbler yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I recommend watching that. Also, um, I brought that up to say that we are going to at some point actually be streaming those Wizard Jam games. And Do you want to announce that date? Yeah, what date did we pick? Um, I think it is uh, next, I think the Saturday after this coming Saturday, I believe, right? Yeah, so a, uh, a week and a half from now. The actual date uh, of that. It is uh, January 21st. Yes, and that's probably going to only be the first half of them, but if you are a Wizard Jam person and you have, uh, and you were hoping for us to announce that date so that you could Make sure your game isn't broken, because I know people did that last time, January 21st. And then the next one will probably be a couple weeks after that. We'll stream the second half of Wizard Jam, because there's over 60 games. Uh, it's crazy. Watch one of them. Uh, I'm sure much like Markiplier's stream, our Wizard Jam stream is going to rack up like 900,000 views <laughs> in two days. Well, the, the actual interesting thing to me, because I, I watch some of the Markiplier stream, and I just I, I have a limit to how much of that stuff I can, I can watch, but... Uh, but the really interesting part about it to me was that simply because that guy streamed it, there are t- now tons of just let's plays of the of Bears, the Bears Black Heart. Yeah. yeah, because like you know, yep. like all the people who just like follow that guy um, all the time now know about this game and want to do their own stream about it. So this obscure Wizard Jam game now has. I don't know, dozens maybe of of let's plays. Let's yeah. plays online. It's really fascinating. Yeah, it's cool. Yep. Yep. 
Um, all right, so that is we don't know the specific time. Probably, I would guess around like noon Pacific is pretty common for yep. when we do that stuff. But um, that'll be January twenty first at twitch.tv slash Idle Thumbs uh, Wizard Jam twenty. Well, no, Wizard Jam four part one. So, join us for that. And thanks for listening to Idle Thumbs. You can subscribe to this podcast at idlethumbspodcast.com. Uh, we are on Twitter at twitter.com slash idlethumbs. It's not going to be the 21st. Oh, it's not? Th- no, I don't think that was the date. Oh, that, sorry. Is it the 28th then? Yeah, that's the, okay. the 21st is the weekend that I'm gone. Hi, oh, everyone. Sorry, Hello. Sorry, sorry. Okay. Mm. Anyway. January 28th, probably around noon Pacific. <laughs> sorry. At twitch.tv slash idlethumbs. That is January 28th for Wizard Jam 4 Part 1 on our Twitch channel. All right. You can subscribe to this podcast again. This good one? This good one at idlethumbspodcast.com. Uh, it's on iTunes. It's on the Google Play Store. It's on, you know, all the places podcasts can be found. Um, we're on Twitter, at Idle Thumbs. We're on Facebook at facebook.com slash Idle Thumbs. You can write us email about whatever stuff at questions at idlethumbs.net, and we will at least read it. And uh, it, Well, I will at least read it personally, and then I will do my best to get it on the podcast. That is questions at idlethumbs.net. We will be back next week. Bye. 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 All right. No, fuck this. I'm putting you guys on blast. We are saying goodbye to these people in an enthusiastic way. We're letting these people go off into the world. Bye. Goodbye. Goodbye. (laughs) Goodbye. (laughs) This podcast is never as good as it used to be back when there were those baboos. A plenty. Baboos a plenty. Goodbye, everyone. Bye. 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 It's off now.